from Forth. This is So What Do You Do? podcast. When someone tells you what they do for work, do you ever secretly think, okay, but what do you actually do? I'm Ellie, and you, my friend, are in the right place. We interview everyday professionals from all positions in all industries. So sit back, relax, and learn where you too can thrive in a nine to five. Hey friends, hey Fourth fam. Today we have such an exciting episode for so many reasons. Today we're gonna meet with Rebecca and Rebecca, we're gonna learn about her story, um, her role in this talent acquisition space and kind of what she does every day. But also we are getting total hiring uncovered. Um, she's gonna tell us the do's and the don'ts as a job seeker, kind of what she hears from the company side Um, and how you can really set yourself apart. It is a five-star episode. Rebecca is a fantastic friend, is really spilling the tea. So if you love this episode, as I always do, I recommend you go over, say hello to Rebecca, thank her for coming on the fourth So What Do You Do podcast, and give this a listen. I think you guys are going to love it. Hello, So What Do You Do fam. Today we have a really special guest in studio, um, socially distanced, but in studio with us. We have Rebecca. So Rebecca, without any further ado, please introduce yourself and tell us what do you do? Hi, fourth fam. I love the fourth fam. Mm, Um, My name's Rebecca Gaiman. Um, I'm the director of talent attraction at DCI, Development Counselors International, and we're a place marketing firm. Okay, so you're on this episode. Which I'm sure means nothing. Nothing. To the fourth fam or anyone out there. I fully recognize that. Okay, so thank you for recognizing. Um, So many things here. I mentioned to all of you in my intro, and as you probably read in the title, this is a bonus episode. The reason it's a bonus is because I want to hear about what you do. I think my listeners would love to hear about your work and your story. But you serve a really interesting role because you are up close and personal with talent. You're up close and personal with people applying to jobs, but also companies and communities and cities that are trying to attract people like my listeners. So I'm hoping to give some awesome little nuggets, things that they can walk away with that may give them a better opportunity to get those roles. So we're going to pivot to your story a little bit. I would love to hear maybe what you studied in school your first job out of college, how that's changed, Mm -hmm. and then leading you to where you are now. So I think there's a very small percent of people who say exactly what I studied and I intended to do. I'm doing that now. And so I'm, I'm definitely of the majority of had no idea that what I do today was even a thing that it exists. So I originally studied communications. My sole mission was to be a magazine writer. Um, and I went to school for that, was studying journalism, started learning. Okay. Lots of magazines are shutting down and this industry is only dying. Journalisms are getting, journalists are getting laid off constantly. And I had done a few internships, even writing. There's even some magazines that still owe me checks because that's like, that's how bad the industry is. And, you know, it was something I, I just knew I loved writing and storytelling, but I quickly learned 
I really don't like this. This is like not for me. Not mm-hmm. getting a check. <laughs> which I, Waiting on a check. Which I'm yeah. sure like does not. I probably should be ashamed to say that. But I was like, nope, this is not for no. me. And also the work I was doing, it didn't really feel like meaningful writing. I was writing about bars and mm-hmm. restaurants and you know, New York City life, and it did, It just didn't stick with me as, like, a passion. Sure. So I said, well, maybe I'm interested in a different side of media. I went to the advertising side. I met an amazing mentor at Cosmopolitan. I fell in love with that, and I said, business. Business is more. It speaks to me. I love, you know, being creative, and you get to see change immediately. Right. So I was grad. Oh, by the way, this mentor told me what you study, it doesn't matter. Okay. So I quickly changed my major to American studies just because it sounded cool and fun. That's why I did it. Awesome. And this was my senior year. I changed my major. I thought I wanted to be in the business side of magazines. I was up for a job at Hearst, which, which publishes magazines. In the meantime, I had found DCI, okay. which was place marketing which I had no idea that was a thing, but the internship posting said, you will work with cities, states, countries across the globe, and you help promote them through marketing. So media, social media, websites, I had no idea that was an industry. And I said, I love places. I love traveling. I love learning about places. And senior year, I was between those two jobs. I got a job offer at both. And I really felt like, no, my path, I should be taking the one at Hearst. Like, Mm -hmm. I've always wanted magazines. But something told me DCI was almost like a blank canvas, and I could grow there. And I can do a lot more there, and I can make more of an impact with places than with selling magazines or selling ads. So I chose DCI, and I've been there for seven years, which feels crazy because I feel like a newbie. Still. Really? Okay, yes. so DCI, where you work today, was your first position out of college. Not the same yes. role, obviously, and we'll get into that in a second, but that was your first firm right out of college. Yes, I think I'm the only millennial <laughs> who has not job hopped every year. Year, no, yes. totally. And it's, it's because, because it is a small firm, my job has changed every single year, mm-hmm. and I'm, I feel like the reason why I chose it is exactly why I'm there today is because mm-hmm. it really is this blank canvas and you can try a lot of different things. Whereas if you are at a big company, you know, they have positions, they have departments and it is set in stone, which there's benefits of that too. But for me, I loved being able to try so many different things over the years. I, that's so true. And I love that you say the reason I chose it is really like the reason why you're still there. It was this idea of, I can learn, I can grow, I can pivot, I can pave the way for myself in in a sense, right? And that's really what you've been able to do. Um, Having known you now for a couple years, getting to see the different things that not only you've been able to do, but learn and people to meet and places to go. So talk a little bit about maybe the progression from that first role and talk about what that was and then Maybe how you got to your role now and and what that looked like a little bit. That's a great question. Um, So when I first, well, to back it up, what is place marketing? Mm -hmm. Um, So Amazon HQ2, remember when that was in the news, they were looking for their next headquarters, where should they go? 
a bunch of economic development organizations and chambers rushed and said, come here. And they put up websites and said, this is why we're the best place for Amazon. Um, Here's a video on why this is the best place for Amazon. That's called economic development is wooing companies to come to a place and create jobs. Mm -hmm. Place marketing is also tourism. So when you see the Visit California ads and Rob Lowe is saying, come visit here, or, you know, Kanye going to Wyoming and then Wyoming's like, come here, Wyoming's cool now. Mm -hmm. That's all place marketing. So those are our clients, our tourism organizations, economic development organizations, and we just help tell their story in any marketing way possible. Wow. So those are our clients. That's a great description. I have to I hope it was. I'm trying really hard not to use jargon. No, that was such a good, even for me, who I feel like I know what you do at a a certain level, but that really even makes it come to life a little more because I think we can all recognize those things of seeing the, the ads on TV or in a magazine or... In the, just in publications, online publications, et cetera, where it's like, oh, even I even think about like I'm a big Bachelor fan and I even laugh a oh, little bit. Oh, that's place marketing. That's place marketing. When they do the final trip. Yes, and yes. And people are paying for that behind the scenes. Exactly. Yeah. And I think like sometimes when they're like Cincinnati, I'm like Cincinnati, why are they going to Cincinnati? Yep. And then the whole episode is focused on what's yep. cool about Cincinnati and why. And honestly, by the end, most of the time I'm like, oh. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. It was so cool. And so, anyway. Like, Top Chef, it's like, this season's in Kentucky, furnished (laughs) by Visit Kentucky. And you don't think about it, but that's place marketing. Okay, so you've made that extremely clear, and I appreciate the example. So that's that's DCI. That's what DCI does. Are there a lot of firms that do this? Are similar to DCI or not really? Not really. We are... We are, I think, the world's largest, uh, and we're actually the only firm in the world that specializes just in place marketing. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of other marketing agencies that have place clients, like huge agencies that will have the tourism account for Canada or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we are really the only agency that lives, breathes, and, and does this. That's the only thing we do. Okay, is cool. work with places. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, that that was a personal question that I just had like oh are there other I've never heard of this before before you so it's great insight so when you started there what was your position what was your role so my my role was really client support I was an assistant account executive so I was on a larger team um, that worked with a number of clients Scotland Romania um, Charleston. I, I even worked at Chattanooga at one point, but I was very, very much behind the scenes. My job was to help the leaders who were talking to the clients on the daily, on a daily basis. So if Chattanooga was going to Atlanta to kind of drum up business, I would be the one kind of pulling the list on, okay, who are all the reporters in Atlanta? Let me call the wall street journal bureau of Atlanta and see if they'll meet with the president of Chattanooga economic development or something. Wow. And That was in my internship, which that really made me say, if I can do this at an internship level, this is so cool. Imagine what I can do once I I actually start for real. Yeah. Um, So I just support, you know, reporting and if there was a campaign, okay, what were the metrics on it? Yeah. If there's a story we want to get out there, let's research it and Mm -hmm. kind of just general, really admin admin support yeah and um, that's a PR that's important to call out because I think a lot of entry-level jobs are that way 
And that's normal. Very like, normal. That's yeah. to be expected. I think what happens is sometimes we have expectations as millennials, Gen Z, whatever you want to call us, when we enter the workplace, we we see on TV what happens in work and they're not showing the new hires. They're showing the executives. They're showing the VPs. And we don't understand that there are so many pieces behind the scenes that have to get done. And it's okay that we are the people to do it. Like the, the new hires, the people starting out. And, um, yeah, so I, I love that, that that's where you started and, and you learn, it sounds like you learned a ton. And it exposed me to so many different parts of marketing. And Mm. that's the key is that when it's not really what you're doing that matters. It's what you're being exposed to. Mm. That's what your first year, even first few years is about. What are you getting exposed to? Like you're learning. It's like the core curriculum of college. You're still kind of learning. What are you good at? How can you help? What are your talents? Because you don't know. Mm -mm. I think a lot of people from college think these are my talents. This is how I'm going to apply them. You truly do not know your talents until you are in the workforce. So you need to kind of be okay with that. And I came in the workforce and I was like, I love social media websites. I hate PR and I hate client relations. Two years later, that completely flipped. And my strength is not in digital. And, you know, I definitely love client relations and I love media and PR and you just have to get in the workforce to find out. You have to try to, to your point, there's only so much you can learn in the classroom and that's not to the classroom's detriment. That's just the way it is. That's how us as humans, we learn and grow. So moving from that first role, talk about, and you don't have to go through every single one, but kind of the general progression from that place to serving as a director of talent now? So at at any PR agency, there's folks who work on the account. And typically, as you kind of grow throughout the years, your role then shifts from not just doing the client work, but actually getting new clients and overseeing a practice area. Kind of similar to, I guess, at a a legal firm, Mm -hmm. you know, being a lawyer and then making partner. So that's kind of the the journey um, that I've been on. And really what happened was um, the economy happened and the economic growth was crazy. And a lot of our clients were saying, we're having this problem now where we actually have too many jobs and we can't get people to move here to this city, to this state to fill these jobs. Mm. So we need to now do marketing, not just to attract companies and tourists. We need to do marketing to attract people. And what that is called is called talent attraction. And just as that was happening, DCI said, you know, Rebecca, do you want to kind of create a practice around talent attraction, helping communities attract people Mm. to live and work and have fun and all that? Um, And that just sounded so cool to me. Yeah. So that's where I am now with talent attraction. I kind of oversee this. It's really thought leadership on what should cities be doing to attract people? What do people like in cities? Mm-hmm. And really, how do we kind of grab them and keep them? Okay. And so, which brings us perfectly into kind of the second part, which really makes this episode special and bonus is because, yes, I want all the fourth family to understand this cool role that you serve. But like you said, DCI kind of stands apart. Your role is very unique. You're not going to find a bunch of... Random. D- yeah. That's the real word. No, no, no. Very unique. <laughs> and um, I love, too, that they 
there was a need in the economy and your firm said, hey, Rebecca, run with this and you have ran with it. And it's very inspiring to all of us, myself included. But what I want to pivot to here is you said it perfectly. Cities and places were saying we have these open jobs. We don't have enough people here that are, you know, unemployed or looking that are fit for these jobs. Mm-hmm. We're having to recruit from outside. Mm-hmm. But the problem is we we either are having trouble doing it. We don't know where to begin in terms of attracting this talent. Um, so we've had many conversations where you're, you know, just genuinely saying, hey, Ellie, what do students, what are they looking for? What what would move the needle for them to be able to move? And what I would say is I, my personal um, uh, hill I would die on, I guess I could say, is I really try to convince students it's not about the city. Like, don't yes. just look at the San Francisco's yes. of the world, the Atlanta's, the Chicago's, the New York's. Seek out opportunity. So, but I think it's easier said than done, right? Because when you go to these like big job boards, it's the, it's like software developer, San Francisco, you know, mm-hmm. d- website designer, Chicago, like whatever. Mm-hmm. You're not seeing a creative analyst, specialist, entry-level job at this cool boutique firm in Chattanooga listed yep. in a big, I don't know, Indeed. publication. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's not going to just you know, generate those jobs and pop right in front of you. You kind of have to search. The search for jobs is broken. Exactly. The filter that we search for jobs is broken. You have to be searching with the location in mind, really, or just know, yeah, there's tech in San Francisco, so I'll go there. Right. And so what I would say, and it's like, I don't even know where to begin to even ask you for advice for these students. I think number one, I guess number one would be, is there a way for students to kind of go this unique route of looking in Chattanooga, Northern Virginia, Birmingham, wherever, Lafayette, Louisiana, that to look for those jobs, like, is there a way that these listeners can be like, oh my gosh, that's such a good point. Let me go where not the masses are going. Mm, Is there a way or not really? It all starts with, in my opinion, with money. And if I could turn the clock back And my biggest piece of advice for anyone who is open to saying, I'll go wherever the success is. I don't care if I'm necessarily in New York or San Francisco or Mm -hmm. my hometown. Um, My first, you know, checklist would be save the money to get rent for at least three, four months. Average rent of kind of whatever region you want to oversave, basically, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that you can live and you can move where you want to be or test out right after college. Mm. In my college experience, I only saw one person who did that, and she was so set way ahead set up for success than any of us. And really? She, it was from her summer job. She's like, I worked at a restaurant all four years of my summers in college, and all of that is going to be my rent money for when I graduate because I want to have the freedom to be renting, not have a job, but then search for the job I want in this location that I want to be in. Wow. Because I think that's the problem is that Yes, even if you are a graduate and you're say you're saying I do kind of want to try Austin or mm-hmm. you know maybe this smaller area in Indiana or something. Mm-hmm. If you're not there, it is very hard to find that job because the postings are not as much as they would be in a New York or San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And sometimes companies will hire and they won't even post anything. Like you have right. to really network in order to succeed there. So that would be my first first order of business is 
save the money for your rent right out of college so that you have that freedom and also by the way if someone in you know Nashville does offer you a job you need to be able to move there fast because they're not going to wait for you and say yeah work you know remote from your parents basement as long as you you want if you're entry level they want you there right office so save money for rent that would be my number one thing (laughs) number two look at stories online so Thrillist does, and a lot of stories we work with reporters on these too, by the way. Right. Um, Thrillist does great rankings on like best cities for young professionals. Livability.com has great rankings on, you know, oh, wow. 10 best cities where you're going to make the most money as a young professional. LinkedIn recently put out a ranking on best cities for young graduates. Here's where the cost of living is lowest. The jobs are the most. And you're going to have the most success. And those cities are cities that are probably not on your radar. There are cities like Cincinnati. Baton Rouge ranks a lot for best cities for millennials. Yeah. Um, you can search best cities for diversity, best mm. cities for food. What, whatever is most important to you, wow. you can search for what are the best locations for those things. That is fascinating. And just for all of you guys listening, I am going to link that. I'm going to link a lot of this in the show notes because I think... These are really easy things that college students, high school students for even better, can just start searching now to get an idea, Mm. especially when it's an area. A lot of students say, I just need to get out. I just need to move. I need to move away from home for a couple years. And I respect that. I wasn't that kid. I actually wanted to stay in Atlanta. I love my family. I wanted to stay close. My husband's job brought us here and we've had so much fun and that we've learned so much about Baton Rouge and what it has to offer. But I know personally so many students that want to move, but I would, I almost feel that it's easier sometimes to move somewhere where you know you can be successful. Like Mm. you can afford your rent. Like you Mm -hmm. said, you're not scraping by so you can actually go and do fun things. You have expendable income to go to the concerts or eat out or go to the bars. Like if you're living in San Francisco, I'm not speaking for everyone, but you are scraping by for the most part. You can't even enjoy yourself. You will never own a thing. You will never (laughs) own a thing. And you're going to, I mean. Unless you're a software engineer, in that case, Get there, get your stock options. And then go. Yes, yes. (laughs) But that's not everyone, right? And so I think that that's great advice. And I'm going to link up all these livability um, websites and things so you guys can take a look. Um, But now let's talk, and I love your perspective on this, which is why I want to pivot a little bit. Let's talk about setting themselves up for success in the job search from a uh, skills perspective from a, um, yeah, openness to trying things, Mm -hmm. industries, like talk to me a little bit about what you're hearing from communities and companies that are looking to hire young talent and what they're wanting, both from a skills perspective, but also from an, I guess, uh, motivation and Mm -hmm. that sort of side. Yeah. I've, Well, I feel like the job market I entered is so different than what it is today because jobs have changed Mm -hmm. so much. We didn't, we didn't know the jobs that would be hot right now. They didn't even really exist to a big extent when, Mm -hmm. when we first started out in college. So I feel like when I entered the job market, it was just about kind of guts and communication and if you can nail those things Mm. you know wear a blazer to your interview and just say I want to learn yep you you can get a job 
today it is so different and it's so much more competitive, which is weird because we're hearing from companies saying, it's not about the number of applicants. I could get hundreds to apply for this job, but no one is a fit. And then at the same time, you're hearing from students who are Mm -hmm. saying, I'm hungry, I'll do anything. And there's just this disconnect. And honestly, companies are, they're getting picky because the work that needs to be done is so specific and different. Mm. So it really is equal parts. I hear two things from companies. Number one, people aren't even interested in the industries or the skills that are growing. Um, Like a welder, you make a lot of money being a welder. Oh, I'm sure. I don't think people are lining up the door, lining around the block though, saying, I want to get the skills to be a welder. No. They're not thinking about that. Or software and software engineering, as big as that's growing, there's not students saying, I want to be a coder mm-hmm. to the amount that of, of the jobs that are open. So mm-hmm. skills for those specific industries, companies are complaining. They can't find people who are just interested in that kind of work and who actually have the skills. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, I hear a lot of companies complaining that it's those soft skills, you know, Students are too shy. I hear that complaint a lot, which first of all, I want to say, give them the benefit of the doubt. They think they're being polite, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, but I hear that, you know, they're too shy. They don't know how to speak in public. They, you know, don't have work ethic and I can't teach them those kind of soft skills. Mm -hmm. So I, students have it really hard these days because you have to nail both those things. Yes in order to land a job. And what I would say to add to that, and I think you hit the nail on the head, it's, and and this is really, this is really what I preach from a fourth perspective is that you have to prove to them at the forefront that you can fit in, in their company and not stick out like a sore thumb from a new Mm -hmm. hire, shy, Mm -hmm. timid perspective. And it's really hard to do because it's a fine line. You can't come also, in. also, you can't be overconfident. You, you can't be overconfident. you'll stick out too. And they'll be like, yes. this person's annoying. Yes. Get rid of them. So you have to be confident in what you bring to the table, of course. But I would just say the biggest thing that you can do is prove to them that you are listening to them. Because yes. I think the biggest thing too is they'll, if you're really listening, they will tell you. Like, you may run into someone who serves in an industry that you're interested in and they may say you know no one just has this certificate we can't fill this role because of this certificate go get the certificate it's probably an online thing it's probably low cost if it's what you want to do it's worth it go get it and then go back and communicate that to them to say hey I heard what you said I took it really seriously and I got this thing that's to me that's not being annoying Like, that's not just being... That's being amazing. That's being proactive, right? And I think that that's the difference. And and I'm echoing what you're saying is job seekers have it hard because of this kind of double-edged sword. It's like they want the soft skills and they want the hard skills. And they're convinced that there are these unicorns out there that fill them. And and there are. There are young people. We talked a little bit about um, a young new hire that you just recently welcomed at your firm that is a rock a star, unicorn. a unicorn of sorts. And one thing you mentioned to me off record, obviously, but now we can bring it on record was just the amount that she cares. Um, and j- like, she doesn't 
it's not that she's working 80 hour weeks, right? It's not about the number of hours that you're working. It's not about checking the box. It's about caring about what you're doing and caring about the people that you would ultimately serve and letting that like infiltrate your work. So talk it's about a little ownership. bit ownership. Talk a and little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Talk a little bit about how you've seen that in her. Um, and maybe, maybe even, I don't know if you were part of hiring her, but were there any things that she really did or, or new hires in general that they do on the front end that really show glimpses of that before you make a decision on the hiring end? That's such a good question. I know. I don't know if that's... I think what set her apart, A, from the interview process, was we get a lot... Being a place marketing agency, we get so many interviews where people say, I love this job because I love to travel. Okay, newsflash. We all love to travel. <laughs> Show me the one person. Okay, maybe your grandpa doesn't like to travel. Or sure, something. yeah. Everyone likes traveling. I get oh that. Oh my gosh, yes. But she came in the interview and she understood the goal and the mission statement of our company. And she stood the understood the mission statement and the purpose of our clients. She said, I love marketing, which is what DCI does. She said, I love that you have the ability to create jobs and attract visitors and ultimately make the places you work for better, stronger, more successful places. And I want to do that too. So basically she spit, she understood the core mission. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just about the job. You know, there's a lot of people come and saying, I love social media. I think it's so cool. And I, I love traveling and that's fine. Those, those are like tasks those are in louisiana we say langyap yeah but what i can't teach you is the core mission and our core mission at dci is we want to uplift the places we work with and she came into the interview and said i want to do that i want to use my skills to do what what you do wow so that's a great point and i i want to echo it and add that and how do i want to say this in the best way possible you have to do the work to understand what these companies actually do. Mm-hmm. I completely understand that sometimes it's vague. It's not super clear. But what I would argue is that's why I'm passionate about our method, the fourth method of reaching out to contacts and meeting with them and informational interviewing them first before you ever submit a yep. resume, interview, yep. nothing. Because that conversation. And that's what she did, by the way. Oh, she did. She had coffee with several people in her because we didn't have an opening at the time. Mm-hmm. She had coffee with several people at her at her office, and that's how she got on my radar because mm-hmm. people just said, "You know what? We don't know what position is open. Do we have one? Do we need one right now?" But this person's awesome, and they are really loving our mission. And so I guarantee, I'm so glad you said that because I guarantee she heard from someone or multiple people that she met with at your company before ever getting her resume on your desk or anything like that, where they said, you know, a lot of people think this is just about travel, but it's actually not. It's about elevating and uplifting these cities. She heard that nugget. I mean, I'm, I'm insinuating, I don't know for sure, but I guarantee someone at least insinuated that Mm -hmm. she held on tight to that and said, listen, this is what they care about. I need to make it crystal clear that I also believe that I get Mm -hmm. that. It's not just about travel. It's actually about this other value proposition that you offer your companies. And I have, it's a huge impact for these communities, X, Y, Z. So when you guys are having, you hear it over and over and over again on this podcast too. And from my mouth, especially of 
get in front of the people that you already know to ask what it is that you do, when they're telling you, take note. Don't glaze it over. They're giving you so many nuggets and so many insights that a lot of people that are just dropping their resume aren't getting. So let's say those people get the interview. They may not even get it at that point because they're not getting the insight of, oh my gosh, it's more than just travel and marketing, right? Or these skill sets. It's really about the mission. So figure out what that mission is Mm -hmm. and then use that to communicate why they should hire you. You have to convince them at that point. Yeah. And I think as you're saying this, I am like reflecting on all the interviews I've done Mm -hmm. and who stood out, who's not. And uh, by the way, I'm a very nervous person. I am very anxious. I'm a natural introvert. Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk to people. That's not my natural inclination. But I think the people who stand out are the people who, when I interview them and I purposely put them through the ringer and I see that their nerves are steady. Mm. They don't say, uh, or I'm sorry, that was the wrong answer. And if you're acting like that, I'm sorry, I can't hire you because I need to put you on the phone with a journalist. I need to put you on the phone with CEOs of the organizations Mm -hmm. we work with. And if you can't handle that, then it doesn't matter how talented you are, Mm -hmm. what your GPA is, what your background is, Mm -hmm. you can't succeed in the workplace. That is so so good. It's something small that I, now that I'm thinking about it, that's the key too, is we, we had a really, really hard exercise for her where we had her basically in an hour come up with a creative PowerPoint presentation, a strategy for this obscure, obscure challenge. You have to be on video. You have to present it. I didn't care about the content. Mm. She could have been presenting like Sesame Street animals, but it was, by the way, the content was spot on though. So that was like an added bonus, but it was her nature and how she approached it. And she even said, she said, this was really hard. It's not like she was bulletproof. She was like, this was really hard. And you know what? It really pushed me and it really challenged me. Uh, but she delivered it and she she got it out from start to finish. Wow. And there wasn't stopping along the way like, oh, now I'm not so sure. And, you know, yes, that's how we're all feeling inside. Newsflash, yes. you have to push past that because that's what's going to get people's attention. And that's something you can't teach. Wow. You just have to do it. That is... <laughs> Okay. That's so good for so many reasons. And one thing you said that I'm going to echo again is you said you, you can't teach it, but you can practice it. You can practice it. Figure out ways, guys, in get college, get uncomfortable. And it stinks. It, no it one likes it. It is the worst thing ever. And I still don't even love it all the time. But even in my work, I, there are certain things that I know I need to do to advance my business, to advance my own personal growth that I do, even though I don't want to. And nine times out of 10, I always reflect back thinking that was hard, but I'm so glad I did it. So Mm -hmm. glad, even with moving, right? Yeah. The same thing as moving. When you move, you're jumping out into an abyss. You don't know what's going to happen, but take, sometimes taking a risk and I'm like the most risk adverse person you'll probably ever meet, but taking a risk, a calculated risk will pay off. At this point in your career, this early on, it will pay off. That was just so much. And I don't want to like overload them with insights because I do think that that is exactly what they need to move forward into just step B, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. we're in this job search. We're either in the, we're in college or we're graduating or we're graduated. What can I do now? I think the big takeaways are 
save money so that you can have the flexibility and the freedom to get where you need to go, to move quickly if you get that job, um, search out cities that are livable, good places to work, open jobs, like whatever is important to you, as you said, then I think it's honing in on what is needed from a skill set perspective for the industry that you want to enter both technically and relationally, um, soft skills, speaking skills, communication, written, verbal, whatever it is, right? And then I think the last piece that we really touched on that I think is crucial is get outside of yourself a little bit to understand that we are all uncertain of our abilities and we are all struggling with this imposter syndrome but the more that you can lean into it just try the more you can try the more you can lean the more opportunity is gonna approach and with that with the leaning in I'm gonna just um, echo the fourth method of get coffee with people whose jobs interest you because you want to be that person that Rebecca mentioned where there isn't an open position, but they're fighting for you to be on their team in some way, shape or form. They're just like, move the doors open. We got to just get her in the organization, get him in the organization for them to succeed and be on our team. And the way that you do that is you start with those conversations. You listen intently, retain those nuggets and like regurgitate it back confidently. Like, I know that this is what you do. I want to do this too. I don't care. Um, In a previous episode, we talked about uh, Cheryl Sandberg saying, if someone offers you to get on a rocket ship, you don't ask what seat. Same thing here. Like get on the rocket ship if you're going to the moon. And I'm just going to, that's the exact same sentiment we're saying Mm -hmm. here. So that was a quick little recap. But before I let Rebecca go, and I know we're running up on time here, I want to do a quick rapid fire. This is how we've decided to end our podcast today. Um, so try to answer these questions within five seconds or less. <laughs> they're really, they're simple, but, um, would love to get your thoughts. So here's the first one. What did you want to be when you grew up? A marine biologist. Oh, okay. No, I thought At the very say. earliest age. Okay. And then very quickly magazine writer after that. Okay. Yes. Very cool. Marine yeah. biologist. I feel like that's a common like <laughs> elementary school desire. I think it's just, that's what you're taught. And you're like, that's a thing. That's so I, cool. I went to the aquarium and <laughs> there's no way I would be the worst marine biologist. Okay. Yeah. Second question. <laughs> what is your favorite book of all time? Ooh, their eyes were watching God. By Zora Neale Hurston. Oh. Because it has my favorite quote, which is that there are some years that question and some years that answer. What an... I'm surprised that's the first time I've ever heard that quote. So know what year you're in. Oh, wow. I think it's day by day. I think there's day by days day. that yeah. answer. There are days that question. Days that answer. There are years yeah. that answer. There are years that question. I love that. Okay, your favorite speaker of all time. So this is not typical, but Conan O'Brien... Oh, awesome. I really, I hate like the Tony Robbins of the world because I feel like because I speak, so I feel like I can see I'm like, eh. yeah. this makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> this just is like triggers me watching this. But Conan O'Brien is just so natural. Everyone he talks to is just giddy and laughs and loves to be around him. So I just love Conan O'Brien. I love that. And he's earnest. He's earnest. Yes, he and means, I love a good comedian. He means everything he says. Yes. yes. So this is a great answer. Okay, the next <laughs> one is, what is an office accessory that you cannot live without? Oh, my gosh. Um, 
the clutter and hoarding on my desk. <laughs> <laughs> no, like like papers, papers, pen, um, notebook, notebook, oh my gosh, this is calendar, so something like that. I really love my mom gives me little trinkets. Yeah, and I love having that because it just reminds me of her and. You know, I'm not the kind of person who ever decorated their office. Like, I'm not visual. But I'll just have random things. Or, like, if I traveled to uh, an area and a client gave me something. Like, I had this client that gave me his pen. That was this fancy... I Can I curse? Yeah. Fancy-ass <laughs> pen. And I just needed it in the moment. And I said... And he's like, keep it. And I was like, this is a nice like, this was, like, yeah. a pen that cost some money. I was like, no, 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 I don't need it. I can get another pen. And he's like, keep it. I want you to have it. And I keep that pen, and it just reminds me, like, wow, this important, successful person was just so kind. Generous. To me. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's So awesome. I just get random things from people. I love yeah. that. I can't wait to see your workplace. I'm going to come see your it's little work messy. from home. Desk. so messy. <laughs> <laughs> and then lastly, what has been your favorite activity during quarantine? Biking. Oh, right. Or cycling, whatever the formal term is. I get on the gotcha bikes. It has changed my life. It's so soothing. It's just like biking is like watching a movie go by you of whatever scenery you want. I love it. That's like a quote. I feel like I'm going to quote that in the future. (laughs) Biking is watching a movie go by. It is. It's It's so much more fun than walking. Yeah. You're just watching things go by you, and I love that. Okay, great. Well, that was perfect. You answered all this beautifully. I hope all of my audience was just scribbling down notes as I will be when I re-listen to this episode but thank you Rebecca for being here I'm going to be linking your LinkedIn in the show notes so anyone that listened to this episode that thought wow I'm so grateful for her time or I learned something like I just said on the episode if you hear something you learn something you take it away go tell them that you listened and prove that you listened tell them Thank you for this piece of insight. It really helped me in X, Y, and Z. So I would challenge anyone listening to this episode to do that. Um, Find Rebecca's LinkedIn in the show notes. Check out the other links that I've provided. And again, thank you for listening to So What Do You Do? Thanks for listening. If you loved this episode and are inspired by this 9to5er, let us know. Subscribe and leave us a five-star review screenshot this episode and tag us on social at fourth underscore LLC. We would love to hear what professionals and industries you want to hear from next. Want more career guidance, discovery, and inspiration? Be sure to visit our website, goforthllc.com and browse our career downloads, read our blogs, and get inspired to go forth.